Hello everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the Fastgate Rewatch podcast. It's me, Can't Wear Hats, as usual, and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello, I'm back! Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean you're back? You didn't go anywhere. That's true. I <laughs> sit in this chair all week waiting for this. It's, it's my entire life. <laughs> but yes, we're back for episode 10, and uh, this episode is called They've Got a Secret. And we'll be talking Keep about... <laughs> and yeah, we'll be discussing the episode and uh, what happens in it, and... If you remember, we just came off uh, a bit of a sort of ranty episode. Yeah. DNA mad scientist. Hopefully, it was quite a disarming episode. Let's put yeah, it like that. Yeah. Um, get out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But, Not sorry. Uh, I think this episode should be less rant-inducing. A uh, little bit of rant at the end. Okay. Mostly involved with last week. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> It's still not gone. It still keeps happening. It's a ghost that uh, hovers over us, over us. Well, let's kick things off then with they've got a secret. So we start out with Aaron and John. Aaron is on John's shoulders mm-hmm. trying to fix or remove a Peacekeeper comm enhancer. And the rest of the crew are going through Moya uh, looking for bits of Peacekeeper tech to take out. Yeah, because basically they have no idea how much is still in Moya. There's no record keeping, obviously. Yeah. So they need to keep checking, keep making sure that there's nothing that could endanger them. Yeah, and you remember that previously we've seen, obviously we had the control collar in the first episode, and then later mm-hmm. we had the Peacekeeper beacon that they yeah. took out, but that's there's still plenty of stuff left. And Dargo is complaining, of course, because he thinks this is, you know, grunt work and the DRDs could be doing it. Pilot just says, well, no, the DRDs have plenty of other things to do. <laughs> yeah. Make yourself useful. <laughs> but, but, I'll give you two DRDs to help. <laughs> like, two? Like, I'm like, take what you can get, Dargo, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> After last week, you bloody lucky to get two DRDs. <laughs> I was going to say. It's just like, no, figure it out. But anyway, Dargo enters into a... There's a little little tunnel in the wall, and there's some kind of device. But uh, he's trying to communicate with Pilot, uh, but he's going in and out. It's not The signal's not going through properly. So he just starts pulling wires. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dargo tech support. It's not working. Let's start pulling out shit and see what happens. Well, Pilot actually tries to tell him, like, be careful what you pull because one of them is connected to the uh, propulsion subs. <laughs> <laughs> and he electrocutes uh, himself. Yeah. And this kicks off the entire episode of when people are hearing static voices over the comms. I'm like, come on, you can fill in the blanks here, ladies and gentlemen. You're getting the important words. Or you could at least just not act on a half understood message yes that too like, you know anyway also this extent this whole intro sequence my own my thought throughout the whole thing was ah so this is the party being like i check for traps <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are better at it than others yes <laughs> surprisingly the barbarian is not very good <laughs> and accidentally rips some wires out and then and then Gets shot down uh, one of Moya's internal sort of compartments, or like it's like mm-hmm. a long corridor, but it's going straight down. Yeah. And he finds another bit of peacekeeper tech, like what he calls a peacekeeper shield. And again, uh, he does the exact like, same thing. Yeah, like <laughs> just starts smashing it. <laughs> and like, suddenly, it's just like, come on, Dargo. Fool then, me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, Dargo, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he smashes into it. Some stuff sprays out onto him, and then he gets shot further down the tube. Yeah, he gets covered in this stuff. This is going to be relevant at the end of the episode. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, he fires down the tube and um, <laughs> um out of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> out of the space. Uh, there's actually there's a CG shot of it's a little bit of it's one of the few CG shots we've seen so far that I'm not quite. <laughs> that it's, I, it's it's it's. It's, it's hilarious little, enough that I'll accept it. It's a little corny in that you see Moya and then you just see um, uh, Dargo come out of it flailing, just like, <laughs> arms going left and right. <laughs> it just it looks a little bit corny. It's so stupid and I love it. But, uh, yeah, so good yeah. job, Dargo. <laughs> good job. And that's where we get the opening uh, sequence. Yeah, and <laughs> that's like your hook for the episode. It's like, Dargo spaced himself. Good job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we come back from the uh, from the opening titles, and Erin collects him in her prowler. So mm-hmm. you know, there you go. That's fine. But apparently, he was out there for half an hour. Yeah, half an hour. Yeah, and but Luxon's and... stiff because it's cold in space, right? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> uh, <yeah>. anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think this is the first time where they are actively saying that space is actually cold. Yeah. So they bring him back inside, but he's unconscious, not fully dead. But uh, it turns out that actually Luxons can survive in a vacuum for a quarter of an arm, um, unless they are revived soon after. So they can survive for longer, but they have to be forcibly revived. So apparently they can survive for 15 minutes with no help. Oh, okay, so they wake up on their own, and otherwise you need to yes. wake him up. And John tries beating on his chest, because apparently that's all he remembers about Lux in first aid. And <laughs> Zan and Aaron are like, what are you doing? Stop that. Get I thought off. he was actually trying to restart his heart. Well, yeah, he was trying to, but it was or do something. Like, but it... physio- Physiology doesn't work like that, John. <laughs> Not all species have the same method of restarting a heart. Yeah, so Zan injects uh, Dargo with some stuff in the back of his neck, mm-hmm. and Dargo comes to just about, but he's very—he's still very dazed, very confused because he calls Zan a different name. She, he calls her Lolan. Yeah, and he has like, no idea what actually happened, and it falls unconscious again. <laughs> Thanks for your help, Dargo. And then Pilot comes over the comm, says he's got odd readings from Moya's system. Something else is going on. Yeah, because he sounds a bit weird. Yeah, Pilot sounds like he's in uh, uncomfortable to some degree. Yeah. Um, and Zan finds a piece of debris on Dargo's body. And so that clearly came from the stuff that was injected onto him when he was shot out into space. Mm-hmm. So now Aaron and Crichton have to figure out what happened to Dargo because he doesn't remember. And um, Pilot didn't have a fix on him when he got blown out into space. So they go to his last known uh, location. Yes. And then it turns out Pilot says the DRDs are not responding. And Pilot, at this point, actually, the discomfort in Pilot's face, one Ike twitching a little bit beautifully yeah. done with the puppets. Yeah, he's very clearly in quite a lot of pain now, but he's trying not to show it. He's, you know, trying to uh, pretend that everything is okay. Or at least trying to soldier on. Yes. So something, I mean, something is very clearly wrong with Moya mm. and Pilot. And further to that, Crichton notices, well, the, now the air smells stale. And um, the DRDs are actually fixing up the hole that Dargo went through. Yeah, we, we, we see that. John and Aaron don't. Yeah, they we don't see that. See that. They're basically just sealing up the hole. And uh, Pilot says, well, there aren't any DRDs in the area. 
and then one turns around and shoots them with some uh, some glue, <laughs> super glue. <I'm> like, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> and she stumbles, resting her hand on the ground. That also gets squirted. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's call it that. Squirted. And just ah, then yeah. Apparently, it's just completely stuck there. And but also in this scene, we have a bit of a discussion about Moira's kind of position of service as a living mm. ship, as a as a beast of burden in some ways. Yeah, because uh, Crichton is still getting used to being on board a living ship, and he makes the comparison to Aaron of horses, which he says they're a beast of burden. She says, oh, well, you enslave them. He says, well, no, we don't. Okay, yeah, we enslave them. <laughs> I like this conversation and being like, but we love them. So you love what you enslave. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. It's like when, you, when it comes down to it, that is what we do with horses. Basically. And with a lot of species, actually. Domestication, as ah, it's otherwise yes. known. Yes. I guess. But yeah, he's trying to make that comparison, and it seems that Moira is... Not quite in the same place. They certainly well, by the peacekeepers. She's enslaved, but they don't. They clearly don't uh, actually care for them at all. They just enslave the leviathans and cause them discomfort. And you know they're standing over them with whips, metaphorically. Yeah, that's. I think that's a most fair comparison. So yeah, but that's uh, when everything gets. <laughs> they get into a sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> now you get to go out. Yes. Well, I guess that's... Uh, <laughs> Get back here, we still have an episode to finish. Damn it. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, they've been stuck to the floor. And John goes back to Zahn with part of the DRD, because he stopped the DRD from also spraying her face, I guess. Yeah. He comes back there and to show Zahn, like, okay, this is what happened, can you figure out some cure? And I love that Aaron is, during this entire time, shouting at John <laughs> of, uh, over the intercom, being like, God Get Damn it, back get back here. here. I love that. What's taking you so long? She, she, she has no patience. She has no chill. Nope. <laughs> also, um, before Crichton comes into the room where Zan is working, we see that she's laid Dargo out on what is some kind of bed or table and is doing a full body scan of him with a scanner in her hand. And it's apparently not working as well as usual, but we have the 3D kind of hologram in like a cubicle of Dargo's uh, body scan yeah. of his like internals and stuff, which is a neat effect. Um, a, I like that. And then as soon as John comes in and everything, and the camera has to move through it, it's turned off. Because, yes, Zan has been trying to figure out what's wrong with Dargo and what is wrong in general. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Zan analyzes the, the debris or stuff that uh, Crichton brought with him. And they notice that the... So you have two pieces of debris. You have uh, the bits that were on Dargo and the bits that were covering the stuff John brought back. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're identical, which they really shouldn't be. They're identical genetically and uniform, which that doesn't make sense if they're debris. They should be different sizes or different yeah, shapes. Yeah, shrapnel, basically. Again, something is up beyond the obvious. Mm. Uh, but Crichton gets back to Aaron with a solution that uh, Zan made and will dissolve the glue. <laughs> but apparently, it's kind of... <laughs> apparently it's strong enough to also eat through uh, Aaron's hands as well. <laughs> so they need to take their time. Be careful only to put it on the glue. Yeah. <laughs> I like that uh, like, 
Aaron is very clearly frustrated, and like John is just being very gentle with the little thing, and is trying to remain calm with the angry peacekeeper right next to him. <laughs> uh, they get they manage to uh, loosen her hand sufficiently and get it off. So hey, so Zan has done, and John have done some kind of analysis, and they've come to a conclusion that it must be a biomechanoid virus. Specifically designed to attack Moya because apparently uh, Moya is biomechanoid. Yeah, which I guess is a you know halfway between biological and mechanical. I guess yeah, that's the that's, idea. That's how I read it as well. And it and a biomechanoid virus will only affect another biomechanoid. It won't affect biological organisms. So that's why the crew is fine, uh, <laughs> apart from Dargo. But we don't know that that's related. But they think it was triggered by Dargo. Uh, you know accessing that hatch yeah and releasing all that goop yeah but Crichton so well if it's released that then it could be in the air generators it could be throughout the ship or everything but it could be why the air is currently going a bit stale yeah so Zan helps Dargo back to his room <laughs> and Dargo is still convinced that she's uh, Lolan whoever that mm-hmm. is uh, but he confesses how much that he loves her, and we'll see them, season them together in the future. Yeah, something's not right with him. Like he's, you know, some... he's, he's experiencing things that aren't actually happening right now. Yeah, and he's seems to be mostly physically okay, but it's some kind of mental break of some kind. Mm. And so Zan is asking, well, who is Lolan? You know, who are you talking about? And gets very upset. He starts sobbing wonderful may i just say wonderful wonderful ugly sob here (laughs) like there's there's more of this later in the episode but the acting from anthony simcoe as dargo in this episode is really yes it's really good and he he displays a big range of emotions that we don't haven't typically seen from dargo no we usually only see anger and frustration in dargo and in this case we see a lot more yeah, a lot more, I guess, vulnerability because he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's crying and he's, yeah, very clearly uh, distraught. Meanwhile, uh, Crichton and Aaron are sat down, I think, in the mess hall, yeah. uh, having, uh, just having a chat with each other about, well, first of all, how is Moya's immune system going to respond to the virus? Mm-hmm. And she's, Aaron says, well, obviously it'll start fighting back. And then they go into a discussion about, again, a difference between peacekeeper worlds and earth because john wants to know how do peacekeepers deal with disease yeah how, uh, how do they prevent themselves from getting stds space transmitted diseases <laughs> like, that's the second I time love, he's done something like <laughs> i love that one it's nice that nice like sorry what oh oh i see what you did there john clever clever yeah but uh erin says well they're all born and they all born and live on ships so, which are controlled environments. So, when they're on the ships, they don't get any diseases. It's all very clearly, it's all very carefully regulated to make sure mm-hmm. that nothing goes wrong. But when they go outside, when they go to a deployment to, say, a planet or a station or somewhere else, they'll get inoculation. Yeah. And so John says, "Well, so you guys don't have disease, and they don't." And I like that John at this point says, "Like, you have absolutely no idea how." Advanced, that sounds to me. And she's smugly, she's smugly like, no, I, I think I do. She's actually having fun with this. But John he, isn't. No, because he, he's, he says, about, you know, no, you really don't because 
then he describes how much disease and death there is on earth and you know how it ravages uh millions of people crops well, yeah and crops and well. animals and and it just yeah and but but the peacekeepers don't have that for all their you know horrible uh military uh leanings they don't have disease you know yeah, and even the diseases that do pop up apparently their scientists are quite good at just figuring out a, way, uh, a medicine that just stops the growth of it yeah. making sure it doesn't affect those people mm. and like okay the biologist in me says that doesn't the way she describes it doesn't exactly work because if they're in a controlled environment then that would mean that there are literally no pathogens yeah so the inoculations wouldn't technically work because you need a functioning immune system for inoculations to work so if your immune systems don't actually do get anything trained in a way i mean I, it might work in theory but it sounds a bit implausible hmm. to me i mean there are also they are also on a living ship in the middle of space so. yeah that is <laughs> fair enough fair enough it's, again, i know what you is, mean this yeah. is the bit where fundamentals of biology as i know them break kind down of, yeah still it's not quite as bad as i don't know let's pick a random episode of star trek where people devolve into spiders and neanderthal people but ah <clears throat> yes so it's got that going for it, at least. <laughs> that is true, actually. Again, uh, I don't know peacekeeper physiology, so that might yeah. actually make the difference here. There you go. But after explaining all this, Aaron is still is surprised that well, John wants to go back there. Well, it sounds <laughs> it sounds awful. It sounds horrible. Yeah. Again, sorry, sorry, Aaron. Wouldn't you like to go back, despite everybody wanting to kill you? Yeah. Same difference. I mean, well, where I thought we were going with this was that John was going to do some. He was going to be very sentimental and just say, but it's home, which would have been, okay, I get that. What he actually says is, well, you don't have chocolate. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same sentence. It's the same but... sentence, but it's, the, it's presented in the way only John can, can yeah. do. <laughs> I like that line. He's like, yeah, you, you don't have chocolate, though. That's really, he's all about, all about the chocolate. <laughs> I mean, would you be? I guess so. Point? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Listen, if I can't get my if I can't get a goddamn Mars bar, what is space even for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're in space, goddammit. You have to have a Mars bar. Uh, it's in the a, name. Or a Milky Way. Or a galaxy. Anything. <laughs> There's a lot of space named chocolate. Just, never mind. <laughs> There's probably, probably nothing to that. Probably. Uh, <laughs> so then they go to get something from the uh, food trays and <laughs> all the food is spoiled. Yep, it's, it's all gone bad. And John opens the refrigeration unit and just gets a whiff of something awful. He's, he's like, like oh, oh, no, 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 no. Mm, nope. <laughs> so he calls up Pilot to report another malfunction. And Pilot, who is uh, in even more pain at this point, says, it's not a malfunction. He's seeing signs of internal sabotage. <laughs> and then he collapses. Yeah. Pilot actually passes out. passes out. Yeah. So, oh, shit. <laughs> That's not good. Who's flying this thing now? Who's flying this plane? <laughs> uh, so Aaron goes up to Pilot's chamber and reports that Pilot's vitals are extremely low. He's mm -hmm. not doing too good. Yeah, he's apparently nutrient uh, deficient. Yeah, he's being because he has a symbiotic connection to Moya. He's you know plugged in effectively, and mm -hmm. tendrils from his body go out throughout the ship, and he receives uh, must receive a nutrient supply from Moya herself which is apparently being cut off at this point. Yeah. 
um, and every system has gone out of control. There are chemical surges all over the place. But actually, Aaron seems to understand some of Pilot's systems because while this is all going crazy and the ship is rocking to and for to and fro, uh, Aaron is trying to get a hold of things. Doesn't know what to do, but she pushes down one of the controls and seems to know what it does and stabilizes it and pushes another one and manages the lights to... go on. Yeah, and she seems to have some kind of understanding because... And, yeah, I, I like that John rightfully points this out because last week she had been injected with uh, pilot DNA so apparently there's still some lingering effect from that. Yeah, because Zan uh, says, well, it was all flushed out and he says, well, was it? I mean, even if it was all flushed out there's probably a lot of information in her brain that yeah. hasn't completely gone, but even if genetically she's completely herself again. But it sounds like she isn't, and there may be a small trace of pilot DNA in her inside of her, which mm -hmm. apparently contains um, information about how to operate Leviathans. So she yeah. can kind of pilot or control some of Moya's systems. I mean, she's, she only has two arms, but... Yeah, so she can get it somewhat under control, but obviously you want to get pilot up and running again. Yeah, but one of the things she hasn't got under control is the environmentals, and this, the environmental systems are not working, and soon that means the air that they're breathing will run out. Yeah, I mean the air isn't being recycled anymore. Yeah, there's no new air being pumped in, and Zan says mm -hmm. what they're breathing is all they've got. Yes, that's not good. Yeah, no, that's bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> really bad. So, so far this episode, we haven't seen Rigel. And I was, I was going to say, 19, I, 19 minutes, I checked. It takes 19 minutes for Rigel to show up. I, I was wondering if maybe he was going to be maybe a bit absent this episode. But no, <laughs> he turns up going through, in typical Rigel fashion, going through Dargo's stuff, because Dargo is still somewhat out of it and is lying down on his bed. <laughs> Oh, God, I love this scene so... Uh, so much. Is... I love this scene so much. So he's going through Dargo's stuff, and Dargo wakes up, and he grabs Rigel, puts him over his back, and seems to be trying to burp him or something. <laughs> like, that's what I got. Oh, no, well, my response was because he wakes up, and uh, he's like, Joffy, what are you doing, boy? And I'm like... Does he think Rachel is his dog? That was <laughs> no. my first response. <laughs> well, no. It, it, it then becomes clear that he thinks that Rigel is a child and yeah. presumably his child. Yeah. It's like... Because he, he starts to say, well, what did I tell you about playing with other... taking other people's stuff? And Rigel is, has no idea what the hell is going on. Hey, Rigel is being like, how dare you touch me in this I'm, way? They're like, you, you are... Joffrey, you are so big. My size is never to discussion. <laughs> Apparently, he's very sensitive about his weight. <laughs> I thought it, I thought his legs actually, but you're right. <laughs> it's even better. Um, and then, but he does figure out that it's like you think I'm your son. <laughs> Which this is a new development, by the way. Like, yeah, Dargo has a son apparently, and a partner in or, presumably a partner in Lowland, because that's yeah. that's what it seems to be implying. I, the, the crew don't assume yet that these people are actually real, but, I mean, it's pretty clear for us at this point. Yeah, this, this is a part of Dargo's past that he has not talked about. No. And this is the first <laughs> that we're hearing about it, apparently. I Also, there's one line in here I need to mention that 
<laughs> Dargo at some point says to Rigel, "Fun, look, I've been, I know I've been talking about your uh, with your mother." <laughs> and Rigel responds, "What about my mother?" <laughs> oh, Rigel. <laughs> That response. I'm sorry. It's so good, though. It's it's a small thing, but I really like that. That's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What did you say about my mother? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's okay. So we have all that. That's a lot of fun, and that's enjoyable. But there is a bit more seriousness in this scene because mm. uh, Dargo, uh, in talking to quote, quote Jothy, who's mm-hmm. actually you know Rigel, says that when Jothy's mother. F- mother's family first saw him they despised him but he yeah. he says he loves his son and he always will yeah so sounds like there was some, typical Romeo and Juliet actually yeah something like that that this seems to be a child born out of a marriage that some people certainly didn't want mm. Mm, so how oh, something is up here but that will be resolved later yes uh, meanwhile Zan is finding the air is getting staler there's like we said the environmentals are not working and pilot is nutrient starved but it's not a virus the the stuff that was uh that they thought was a biomechanoid virus is not in fact a virus they're no distinct organism they're not separate from moya in fact they're a part of moya yeah and they can't be fragments of something since they're all uniform in size so they're not something that is broken off from moya it seems to be part of moya's uh system Mm mm-hmm but to figure out what they need to do, then they have to go back to what Dargo saw before the accident, because that's when it all started happening. Yeah, that's the source. That's where their answer should be. And then they put a call through to Rigel, who is supposed to be looking uh, after Dargo. <laughs> and they think he's asleep initially, because he comes up on like the little holographic projector, <laughs> uh, uh, covered in uh, bed sheets or whatever. He's like, no, Dargo tucked me in. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, those are words I'll, uh, we'll probably never hear again. Yeah. Darko tucked me in. Wait, and, what? And then he informs them that he thinks that he's Juffy and he's gone out looking for Lolan. So Crichton goes to find Dargo, which turns out may have been a mistake because he now Dargo now thinks that Crichton is somebody called Macton. Yeah, and he's apparently not friends with Macton. He's no. actually quite angry at Macton. Really doesn't like Macton. Ooh. And Crichton is ask, is trying to figure out what he's actually talking about. So he asks, "Who's Lolan?" <laughs> this and makes him angrier. Wrong question, because yeah. Dargo says you may despise him, me for marrying your sister. So okay, Lolan is Macton's sister, and he didn't want her to marry him. Yeah, uh, but he shouldn't mock her by pretending to forget her. So he gets he sees it as an insult. Uh, but Crichton is trying his best to get through to Dargo. It's like, no, it's Crichton, it's not Macton. And, and mm-hmm. briefly, briefly he yeah. manages to. And Dargo is, oh, another bit of acting from this, that he's clearly trying to fight or to remember what happened because it causing it's causing him distress to recognize Crichton, apparently. We'll figure out later where, where there's actually a beautiful line in this episode that completely encompasses why Dargo is like this right now, but... For now, it's like recognizing John and being in the present really upsets him. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort, but he's trying to get across something. And again, Anthony Simcoe does a great job of like acting mm. in this. And it's it's really good to see Dargo as someone who isn't just 
gruff and you know yeah. angry all the time. Yeah, he's getting a much needed uh, deepening of his character. Yes, but uh, he manages to get out that he was in a shaft and he saw a peacekeeper shield. But then he goes straight back to addressing Crichton as Macton. Yeah. And how dare you dishonor your own sister, as th- even though she's dead. And he breaks down in tears again. Again, the ugly sob. Yeah, God. I mean, at this point, we know what Lolan apparently means to Dargo. We know that she's a real person, and now we know that she's dead. Oh. And she is presumably, yeah, the mother of uh, his child. And, probably. Well, it's, I mean... It's, technically, it hasn't been stated, yeah, but, but very on. likely at this yeah, point. No, it, so he actually kind of assaults Crichton a little bit and throws him back. And Can I just say, actually, that the audio cue that they use for uh, these scenes with Dargo... Beautifully mm-hmm. placed. Oh yeah, there's like is it? I guess it's flute type music yeah. in the background when he's in that space of like being in the past. Apparently, mm-hmm. it's very subtle, but I like when um, they underscore these kinds of moments with uh, a proper bit of music. Yeah, and it's a and these are emotional uh, moments with some quite actually some very nice soft you know music that mm-hmm. uh, really helps set the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So Crichton's going to go find the shaft where Dargo was because he's managed to get that out of him and he was on, I think they say, tier 21. Yeah. So he heads down there and is going to go uh, look for uh, what Dargo found and all the lights in the section go out. <laughs> and we get a beautiful bit of light comedy and light as in literally light because John is using his big flashlight and at some point it turns off and he's like, Oh, he starts smacking it, looking into it, and then it turns on again. It's like, oh, oh. God, you idiot. Okay. And it's, I gotta say, Ben Browder's expression at this point is beautiful. He sells that one marvelously. I mean, I, I don't know how much of that was acting, because it, he did actually literally shine it into his own eyes. I wouldn't eyes. be surprised if that wasn't as much acting as we'd like to think. I wouldn't be surprised if that was something he improved on the spot. It could well have been. Like, uh, maybe that prop wasn't working properly or something, but it is really funny. Yeah. Um, and then he sees a couple of DRDs hanging around, and they're blocking the passage. <laughs> I like these DRDs. I just realized they're like, bro, you don't want to be in this neighborhood, bro. <laughs> you came to the wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> if they had little flick Good knives, out. they would have got them out <laughs> yeah. at this point. <laughs> exactly. That's the look they give John's like, <laughs> back off, Good man. Out. Back off. <laughs> So they're blocking off the section, so he has to find another way through, and Aaron tells him to go down a different corridor. Mm-hmm. And, again, cornered by more DRDs. Yeah, two on the two on the ceiling being like, hey, bro, where are you going? <laughs> so when he found the first few DRDs, he describes it as like a Yosemite Sam cartoon of, like, dark cave where eyes light up. Yeah, like four of, four of them. Four of them. Except, well, I mean, that doesn't really happen in that scene because he just sees the DRDs. The next bit where he sees an entire wall covered in DRDs. Like that exact... ceiling, walls, floor, everything. Like that exact thing happens where they're all in darkness and then they're all the eyes light up all one by one. That was such a cool scene. <laughs> I really like that one actually. Like, yeah. just, I'm very much curious how they got all those lights on because apparently I, I wouldn't be surprised if most of those aren't actual DRDs, like not the movable ones. My suspicion is that they were they probably don't have that many DRD props. 
Certainly mm-hmm. not as many as are all on that wall. No. They probably have a much smaller number. So what it might have been would have been uh, some compositing of many different shots oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of DRDs with lighting and all yeah. merged together to, as long, to do I mean, that. As long as you have the camera set, you can yes. do that. And the camera doesn't move on that shot no. either. No, so. that shot, it's completely still. So that... I think you might be right on that one. That's my the hunch. effect is amazing. It's really good. Like it, it is exactly that thing that he describes of like the eyes lighting up in the darkness, um, but it is really good. And there's, and, and so this is when they get their guns out and start shooting at him. So he runs away. <laughs> at this point, I realized, holy crap, DRDs are awesome. Yeah, they can apparently just shoot uh, adhesive gunk at people. They have laser guns. They have, like, they have like these little guns that come out and they're basically like uh, mini guns spinning. Yeah. Tiny spinning guns and like shooting huge laser bolts out of it. And they can climb up the walls and stick to surfaces. Yeah. They can do a whole load of things. But yeah. <laughs> John has to make a hasty retreat um, mm-hmm. while yelling at Aaron to shut down the DRDs. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he, di- he dives underneath uh, the, one of the small access hatches and comes out the other side eye level on the ground with some more DRDs who bring their guns out and point them at him. And they're like, bro, you shouldn't have come here. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> so, we're we're going to cap your ass. So he tells Aaron to shut down all the DRDs, all of them, because you can't shut them down individually. No. Which means that Moya's going to, some of her systems will be affected, mm-hmm. but she shuts them all down and he manages to get away. Whew. And and then we have the scene with Zahn, Eren, and Crichton all sitting around a table. Yeah. Discussing what to do. This scene has some very, a really interesting bit of editing in it. I was going to ask you about that because I saw the scene as well and I'm not entirely sure if I liked it or not. Yeah, it was a little bit odd because they basically we do like a tracking shot around the table mm-hmm. and we do close-ups of all three um as they discuss what to do when it cuts between the three of them like the camera is panning across them in the close-up and it cuts to another one with a fade yeah and the fade i'm not sure about yeah so typically when you do a fade like that uh, particularly in a dialogue in a bit of dialogue um it usually implies that time is passing it's most typically used in like a a scene which would be a really long conversation and you mm. want to jump ahead to a forward bit. So you do a, you know, they keep talking and then there's a fade and then you fade back in with them later on talking about something else. It's just a way to show that time is passing because if you yeah. do a quick cut, it can get confusing, but the fade is most typically used for that. Here it doesn't, which is no. what confused me. It actually, it's used for the same purpose as if you just had three static shots of close-ups of Zan, Aaron, mm-hmm. and Crichton, and cut between them as they were all talking. Except yeah. in this case, the close-ups uh, track uh, left to right or side to side on each of them, like it's rotating around the table, and there's a fade in between shots. It's, yeah, yeah, it's an in- it's an interesting bit of editing, and I'm not sure if I like it too much because it implies an effect that isn't strictly necessary. I mean, there's one other form I've seen it used, I think, and that's when you're going for a very sinister uh, Hmm. setting. Yeah, or something... Like something very dark, I guess, being discussed. But that that wasn't happening in the scene either. No. So that didn't make sense at all. I mean, even the lighting screened that. Yet the the scene itself wasn't. Yeah, what they're doing is they're discussing 
what to do, are the DRDs affected by what they've been calling the virus, which is not a virus, but they're mm -hmm. totally mechanical, so they can't be. They only do what somebody tells them to do, and Pilot's unconscious, so it must be Moya doing all of this, because Moya has her own autonomy. She, basically, what Pilot... Pilots do not strictly control Leviathans. No. They, they tell them what to do, and the Leviathan does it, if they if agree, they feel like if it. they agree with it, like most of the time they'll do what they're told because they'll be, but it's mostly it's, in it's, their it's, own interest. Yeah, but it's entirely possible for a leviathan to refuse to do something or to do something on their own. And uh, actually, is, thinking about that, about that, it's quite out of character for Moya to disobey because she's she basically landed on a goddamn planet for them. Yeah, exactly. And they were they removed the control collar from her and have been. Uh, liberated her from the peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, they really don't know what's going on. But like you said, it's not like a conspiratorial thing. It's no, I don't know. I mean, there, there's a scene later on where this would have worked perfectly fine, but, but not for this scene. Yeah, I don't know. It's. Hmm, I it's wonder just... if, when they shot this scene, if. Uh, a part of the conversation that we'll get to later, it was also in here. Yeah, there might have been a, a different version of the scene where it would have been more effective. Mm. It's not even bad. It's not bad editing. It's it's a good. It's well it's done. It's well edited. It's, it's well just... It's. I don't think it's the appropriate style yeah. for this. It scene. feels out of place. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you would expect it to be for, like you said, either or more. Uh, conspiratorial darker tone or for a much longer conversation and passage mm -hmm. of time which is not what's being shown oh. so yeah that was yeah that was weird that was weird but anyway they realize that everything that's been going on has not been an external force it's not been a virus or anything like that it's been moya doing this herself doing everything from yeah stopping the environmentals and cutting off pilots nutrients mm -hmm. um so yeah, what the hell is going on? What's what's Moya doing? Why now? Yeah, and so they're gonna set up some readouts on the floor to try to try and ascertain, you know, what systems are affected or what's been going on. They have actually like acetate printouts, basically, of Moya, <laughs> Moya's systems. That's what they are. I know they, they are. And to be completely honest, when I saw these things, I was like, oh, look, they got the local art department to pitch in again. <laughs> Because these Maybe. things make no sense at all to me from where I was standing, really. I, yeah, I mean, they don't look like uh, diagrams that we would recognize. No, and, that's... And I John mean, has no idea. I'm, I'm surprised that John seems to at least partially understand some of them. But... I mean, I guess having lived on Moyo for that, uh, for at least this period, he has some frame of reference for that's them. Yeah. So what they do is they lay them out on the floor and then say, well, can we bring this up on the, you know screens or whatever it says well no we can't let moya know what we're doing yeah because if we if we go to her database she can basically see like oh they're looking up that data oh they're planning that well i can do that then yeah well i i mean i found it weird that like moya will discover them that way but apparently moya can't actually just hear what they're talking about Oh no! But it's he because... actually he actually mentions it because um, John says like, well, you don't know what the bacteria in your body is doing unless uh, you experience symptoms. Yeah. And without the DRDs, she doesn't have any eyes inside of herself. And pilot's not there to translate as well. Exactly. So, so yeah. that would also make that would also make sense. And 
I like that Zan at this point says like, well, I don't have any bacteria in my body. I, and I assume she means like, uh, intent, like internal, but like we have inside our gut, like floral bacteria yeah. in there. Um, apparently her species doesn't have that. So yeah, and I, and well, the other part was me like, wait, you don't have like bacteria get sick from? Does nobody get sick around here? <laughs> apparently not. I don't know. Maybe maybe Luxons get sick. We haven't found out yet. Something's yes. clearly wrong with Dargo. Yeah, okay. okay. But uh, but speaking of Dargo, he has, at this point, brought Rigel to command, where everyone else is, and so they're going to try and get to the bottom of what's been going on here. Yeah, so basically, John contacts Rigel, being like, what's what's going on? I'm getting a piggyback ride. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot he's getting a piggyback well, ride. Well, see if you can get a ride back up to command, because <laughs> we want to talk to Dargo. Yeah, and so he does manage, manages to convince him to go up to command somehow, so everyone is there. We've got Aaron and well, no, Aaron is uh, with Pilot, and yeah. we've got Zan and Crichton. Who remember that Dargo thinks that Zan is Lolan, and he thinks that Crichton is Macton, uh, and that Rigel is Joffy. Yes, also important. Yeah, and so he comes into command and sees Zan, and you know, think refers to her as Lolan, and he says he loves her more all the time, and. And he just, and then he straight kisses her on the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, Zan seems to be kind of into it. And isn't... <laughs> I love Rigel being like, mm. <laughs> Rigel seems to be, well, he seems a to bit like too to much watch. Into it. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably enjoys watching this a little too much. Yeah, I noticed that. It's like voyeuristic Rigel's in my notes. I'm like, mm. <laughs> uh, and she says, but Dargo says to Lolan, quotes asks her how she could give up everything to be with them um and but zan is trying to use this connection to get dargo to you know come to his senses and help help their help, help yeah. their ship but he says well i destroyed our ship so they couldn't trace us here and then Crichton decides to start acting his part yeah i really like this like, and he steps in and it's like dargo what are you doing with my sister Basically, mm -hmm. keep your hands off my sister. I reject Dargo and your marriage, and you cower from her memory, and you're not worthy of her. Yeah, this is actually the part where I really like because you're not worthy of her because you cower of her her memory, and this is where John is basically blending the two because what he's saying as Macton is basically also what he's saying as John, being like you're mm. not remembering how this ends. You're you're a coward for not facing that. Yeah. And when he says, well, Dargo then says, I don't want to. I don't want to remember. And but he says, Lolan's memory burns in his soul. Yeah. She's dead, but he doesn't want to remember. No, he doesn't want to remember that she's dead because it hurts too much. And again, I have to, like, we have to say this again, I think, because mm -hmm. Anthony Simcoe as Dargo, just this whole scene is He's amazing. Nails this one. Nails Seriously, it. My favorite scene of the episode. Yeah, no, definitely. It's so, so well done. You can really see. Any, being able to get that much emotion through that much prosthetic, mm. <laughs> you know, he's covered with like he's got a false like beak-like nose and hair and beard and tentacles Gi and eyebrow eyebrows. eyebrow yeah. ridges, but you can see the emotion and like he's got tentacle chin. It's <laughs> you can it's, see the, it's a whole thing. the hurt and the pain and how much it oh how much it hurts him and it's so well done really he great face a lot in his voice as well oh yeah his voice oh so well done like such a good job and mm. really have to take your hat off to him 
so good. But yeah, he doesn't want to remember uh, Lolan. And then he attacks Crichton, saying that you killed her to keep her from me. He never had the chance to tell Jothi why he and Lolan left their world. Yeah, and I love that Zan at this point realizes, wait, he killed his own sister? Yeah, because he so hated that she had married uh, Dargo, and Dargo had had to send Jothi away because, because he was charged with her murder. Yeah. And that is when we get that's the twist that's the re- reveal so to speak yeah he got, and he got Jothi away before he was arrested mm-hmm. and, and i like that he turns to rigel and actually talks to Jothi and tells him like that he was never able to tell him why he had to send him away and why it was necessary for, to protect him in this way and that he would only know if his precautions worked if he saw him alive again yeah and that was the part that broke me yeah, because, oh god, throughout this whole scene, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah. it, got, it really got to me. And, yeah, he's had to, he was you know, arrested for the murder of his wife, which he didn't commit, and had to send his son away because... Protect it from his to protect brother-in-law, from, basically? Yeah, basically. Um, because if that's what he did to Lolan, imagine, like, he would probably do worse to their son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't and so Dargo has a son out there and he has no idea if he's safe or not. Uh, I, d- these are the things that always I find very strong. Choosing the tw- two of lesser evils and s- the yeah. lesser still being horrible. Basically sending your son away to possibly never see him again. Well, rem- just to save his life. Well, remember what he said. That's, that's what he said in the last episode. Remember when Zan asked him, in, well, a couple of episodes ago, in fact, in that old oh, Black Magic, yeah. uh, if you had to, you know, Stop one evil by unleashing a smaller one. And he says, I would choose the lesser of two evils. I hadn't even realized that. I don't need to, that isn't even, I just realized that now as I'm, as I'm thinking about it. But yeah, this is mm-hmm. something apparently he's been living with and is, seems to be the crime for which he was imprisoned. Yeah. Not killing a superior officer, no. like he said. Killing his wife. Which he did not do, and there is yet one further twist. To yes, be had. because John points out apparently the arrest uh, for that murder was done by said brother-in-law. Yeah, still with the blood of his sister's hands on him. Yeah. So wait, he was arrested by Macton. Yeah. And but Dar- but Crichton remembers. Wait, you were arrested by a peacekeeper. I thought you were arrested by peacekeepers. And Dargo says, "Yeah, it was quite a coup." for them and then that's when the penny drops yeah macton was a peacekeeper and if macton was a peacekeeper so was lolan yep so jothi is a peacekeeper luxon hybrid and holy shit (laughs) yeah and he actually what i really like he has he takes something out of uh i guess a wound or something yeah like there's a spot in his skin close to his heart if you assume that the Luxon heart is where... I, I don't <laughs> okay. care if that's, what, yeah, right. that's where his heart is, period. Okay. Uh, and he takes out a small uh, cylinder, it looks like, and it, he releases it and it produces a holographic image of Lolan and their son Jothi. And, yeah, Lolan is, of course, a peacekeeper, Sebastian woman, and there's a small child Jothi with tentacle hair and all of the same stuff that identifies him as part Luxon and he's just doing this like 
he like he wrenches it out of him. It's clearly like sewn into his skin, and it's been carrying it with him this whole time. Mm-hmm. And oh, holy shit! Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And his memory is back. He's back to himself, but yeah, he doesn't like it, but he is. But he's revealed this truth about himself to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that. Was that a, was a he- this is a heavy scene. Yeah. This is twist on twist on twist, and they're all gut punches, really. It, it does so much to take Dargo from just the angry barbarian warrior race guy to a much more complex and deeper character. Yeah, I can imagine where that anger comes from now. Yeah, and and why he had to hide his crime, because... Being in a relationship or having a child with a peacekeeper, I can't imagine that would go down well with other people in a peacekeeper no, ship. If, if any of the guards found out, they would have killed him. Yeah, on the spot. So that's why he had to lie about the crime that he uh-huh. was imprisoned for. And we, there's so much more to him now. Like there's this, there's this big backstory that is much more than just "murder." I'm angry and I mm-hmm. killed my superior officer or something. No, he didn't. It really does a lot for Dargo's character, and yes, it's really effective. And I was, oh, trem- lower lip trembling at the end of the scene. Like, <laughs> 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 I, I don't experience. I sadly, I don't experience emotions that strongly. Which, uh, which, I, which I'm, I'm a massive crybaby. Yeah, and I, I wish I was sometimes. <laughs> I really do. Uh, it happens to me once in a while, but it, it needs to be very heavy. And usually, actually, more cheerful. Fair enough. I'll cry at beautiful things. Anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but his but Dargo's memory has returned. This has all been revealed. It's really heavy. And actually, you see a shot of Zan crying from this. Mm-hmm. You see a tear roll down her cheek, and they're all shocked by what's happened. Um, so, now we have... Oh, God. Okay, if one heavy scene wasn't enough, here's some more. Because in order to try and fix stuff, Mm -hmm. what they've decided to do is they have to shut down Moya's higher brain functions. Yeah. They have to, basically, in order for them to survive, they have to give Moya a lobotomy. (laughs) That's what it is. is, No, 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 no. no I mean, to be completely fair, what they plan to do first is just shut it down and see if they can bring it up back, back up later. Yeah. But they quickly realize that the only way they can do this is they sever the connection permanently. And that's the point where I'm like, so you're lobotomizing Moya. Yeah. It'll be, they say it'll be similar to when the control collar was on, except it'll be done permanently because the physical connections will have been severed. So, so yeah. <laughs> if they don't interesting do this, questions. Why don't the peacekeepers just do that? Maybe I, I assume the control collar does more than that. Yeah, probably. And having her higher functions probably has advantages as well. Yeah, exactly. Your higher functions allow con- better control of everything, I would assume. I guess. Um, so, yeah, they have to do this. So you get... Uh, Aaron has to do it in pilot's chamber, and that's the easiest access for them is to go through a console in pilot's mm-hmm. uh, chamber so she gets a, a cutting torch laser thing ready to go yeah but they do want to give another plan also a chance and that is to figure out what is causing all this the source of it yes which dargo found and see if they can stop it from there because yeah, if they can do that they don't have to basically lobotomize moya 
So yeah, because and because Dargo has regained his memories, he is able to lead them to where he found yeah. the thing. And the reason they didn't find it is because, as we saw, the DRDs repaired over the access hole that he went through to get into uh, the access tunnel where the uh, thing was. Yeah, and I like that Dargo's like, oh, they must have sealed it up. Kick, kick, hole and roll. <laughs> and so Crichton is uh, getting ready to go in. And he's actually done up in a kind of like a, a, a black spacesuit with a helmet because I'm wondering if that is his original spacesuit no, or Aaron's. It's it's probably Aaron's because his spacesuit had a white helmet and was more like a fighter pilot helmet. It was it yeah, wasn't a full right. cover. Um so it's probably the suit from Aaron's prowler to some extent. Um mm. and he's going in there with a limited supply of oxygen because they don't have much and there isn't I think I think the idea is that some parts of it have been uh, the oxygen has been taken out of, I or mean, it's stale, or it's not not breathable because it's all filled up with CO two or whatever. I could imagine also that because Dargo blew uh, oh yeah blew himself out of the ship. There's probably a hole down there. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> it's probably open to vacuum, to vacuum of space. Yeah, that, that sounds bad. Um, so John is going down the. Uh, Actually, can we talk a bit about the set of the these sets going through Moya? Mm. They're, they're kind of they're not just like circular tunnels. They look more like like a negative of a vertebrae. Yeah, actually, that that was what I was thinking about as well. So there's they sort of splay out at the bottom and then they come in with a little bit at the top. Like yeah. if you look at like a vertebrae, that's the shape of the hole. Yeah. That extends the tunnel of the tunnel of the access or the the sort of bowels of the ship or the uh, technical bits and pieces. So that's what John is going through, and he finds the panel where Dargo initially found stuff, and then he finds another one. Yeah, and the other ha other side of that second panel, there's an opening, and he's like, "Huh, what's look. this?" And he goes in. So while he's doing this, Aaron is basically starting to cut through the um, cables to get to the higher functions. Yeah. And John emerges into a chamber. Not unlike the one Pilot lives in. Yeah, it actually looks fairly similar, but there is covered in DRDs for one thing. Mm -hmm. And there's something glowing or in the center of it that is connected by cabling and tubing going up into Moya. Uh -huh. And then Crichton asks Zan, do you know anything about Leviathan physiology? Specifically reproduction. <laughs> He's like, Why? what do you mean? Because... He reckons this, you know what this all is? Moya is pregnant. How the hell does he come to that conclusion? That's a, no, seriously. Yeah, that's a bit of a leap like, for John. This could, this could have been a kidney stone for all he knew. Yeah, I think it's probably because it seemed like there were cables going into it from Moya, like an umbilical cord or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. Um, Still, I would have... I, I wouldn't... Wouldn't have jumped to that conclusion right away. But also that the fact that Moya seems to be doing all of this intentionally. Yeah, that might have, might be good. But uh, it, it is kind yeah. of a bit of a leap. But yeah. he figures that well, the particles that they released that were held back by the Peacekeeper shield were a catalyst for pregnancy. Uh, and everything since then has been Moya protecting herself. Okay. Remember how I uh, pointed out that... Uh, Dargo was basically covered in that stuff. Yeah. That was relevant. Dargo was covered in Leviathan semen. I don't <laughs> I don't know that that's... I'm pretty sure... I'm, what else would it have been? It could have been... Like, I know it's a catalyst, but 
I'm assuming Leviathans need to be impregnated by some other creature. Possibly. We don't know, actually. Like At this point, that we have no true. idea. They could go through <clears throat> Parthenogenesis. Mm-hmm. Um, like, sharks can do that occasionally. Like, they, they may not need another Leviathan to reproduce. They may, they may do. It may be what you said. Or it could just be a chemical that induces the pregnancy. But let's be honest. Let's hope it's my version because it's way funnier. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> fine, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um... But but yeah, from the sounds of it, it's it's interesting to me because the peacekeepers. I don't know, like the peacekeepers stopped this pregnancy or holding back this pregnancy, but they didn't. They didn't stop it. They were just delaying it. I mean, they clearly did a a number on Moya. They installed a whole bunch of things, so they could have. Theoret- they could have potentially, stopped the whole thing from happening at all ever. I don't know if it's that simple. I mean, no, maybe how much? It, maybe it's I mean, not, yeah. how much would you have to remove from Moya to prevent that? And what That's would that true. do to her? Yeah, there's probably a lot of variables, and it's easier to just put a plug in it and uh, not worry it about that. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Which they pretty much did. But yeah, Moya is apparently pregnant, actually pregnant, and the DRDs were protecting the the fetus, but the DRDs are off, and the baby needs them. Yeah, and probably also because the DRDs were feeding. Yeah. Uh, Attaching the, the fetus to Moya, yeah, or yeah, maintaining it uh, in some way, mm-hmm. and uh, God, this is the really tense bit because Aaron is almost done with the procedure, and like, there's one more thing to cut, and that will be it, and there'll be no more higher brain functions for Moya. Yeah, and John is trying to tell her to stop and to turn the DRDs back on over a te- over a bad signal. <laughs> Again, read between the goddamn lines, people. Because there's enough there to figure out that he wants you to stop. Or just stop and listen. Yeah. So it's it's a really tense thing because it's like, no, shut it off. Because otherwise Moya will be, you'll do that. And eventually it, he is able to get through and Aaron stops just short of doing it. But they came that close to lobotomizing Moya. Yeah. Ugh. And I like this. She's like, okay, final stop. <laughs> yeah, she's kind she's of like been, she's ex- been ordered around this entire episode most most of the time, she's especially put- since she's in that room. Yeah. Uh so yeah, she puts the they call it a saw, but it's like a laser gun kind of thing. Mm, a but laser she, saw. Laser saw. But she puts it down, and Crichton is standing in the uh, chamber with the baby, and you know he's because. Without Pilot to translate, there isn't usually a direct way to talk to Moya. No. Um, Only through Pilot do they have that option. But he's going to try something. So once the DRDs turn back on, they sort of turn towards him and (laughs) raise their weapons. One minor point. I like that, again, he's like, oh, crap, the baby needs the DRDs. Aaron, turn the DRDs back on. And Aaron's like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Quit ordering me around, you asshats. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the DRDs then yeah corner him, and he puts the weapon down, sort of raises his hands, and then he talks directly into the DRD, trying to communicate with Moya, mm-hmm. saying, trying to say like, look, we never want to hurt you, we don't want to hurt the kid, and we are very happy for you that you're pregnant. Uh, yeah, but do we, do we need to die for this? Yeah, do we need to die for your baby to survive? And there's this pause. And then the DRD's back off, and the atmosphere whooshes back, and everything. Hey. Ah, everything's okay. I find it very 
smart of John to put down the gun. Yes. In front of her, even if she did, if she wasn't able to understand a word he just said. His body language, and especially him putting down the gun, was probably mm. enough for her to figure out what he was trying to get across. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, he's put it down, and everything has turned back to normal relatively. Mm-hmm. And so later on, we see the pilot is back up and back to his normal self. By the way, um, didn't mention this at the start. Uh, his li- his limb has grown back. <laughs> he has all his limbs in this episode. Yeah, that's uh, he has all four back again. Interesting how the episode doesn't actually go on from the fact that they've basically been monsters towards Pilot and suddenly they're concerned about him. Yeah, it's a little bit odd that that's, it's not brought up at the moment. That's my ranty bit for this episode. Like, they do reference back to it with uh, Aaron having all those memories, but apparently yeah. the fact that they chopped off his goddamn arm... Doesn't get brought up his, again. No. Doesn't get brought up again. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Sorry, little. That's 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 actually one of my the biggest marks against this episode. That, yeah, that gets just gets forgotten. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it it is weird that it just gets brushed off so easily. Yeah, but, uh, I thought it would have been had a real impact and showing how desperate these people are. And the only thing I'd want to do is a lobotomize Moya, which. Yeah. Sorry, it's just not up there with cutting off a friend's arm. Well, they're, mo- they're trying to lobotomize a ship who can't they can't talk to, and they're trying. They were trying to, who was only trying to protect her uh, baby. Yeah, so that's it's, true. But they didn't. It's know not a good thing. Parts, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Pilot was actively saying him don't. Yeah, this is true. Like Pilot was also not privy to what Moya was doing. Like Moya was doing all of this um, without telling Pilot either. Yeah, the- actually gets brought up because um, John asks, like, how can Moya do this without your permission? It's like, look, I don't command Moya. I sort of work for her. Yeah. More or less. Basically, yeah, he works for Moya as a go-between between her and the crew. Yeah. Basically. And, I mean, she has her own will if she wants to do something and he can't really stop her. No. Um, he can do, He can do what he can, which is what he was trying to do, but Ultimately, she can just, like she did, cut off his nutrients. Um, and just do whatever she pleases. And so and so the crew ask him, well, how long, what, what can we expect? Because this pregnancy is a thing now. And how long is it going to take? What things can we uh, look forward to? And Pilot has no idea. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was, it was, big surprise. It's a bit odd to me that he says he has no special knowledge of the Leviathan gestation cycle. Because, like, wait, aren't you bonded to Moya permanently? I, say, did, I mean, on the other hand, did Moya's mother or father or parent give her the talk about the birds and the bees? Maybe it's something they're just born with. I don't know. It I mean, might just maybe, be more instinct. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I was going to say, birds don't get the talk about the birds and the bees, mostly because half of that isn't relevant for them. But, <laughs> I mean, they, and, and still, they seem to figure it out every, every season. But uh, yeah, every year, sorry. But I still find out that Pilot doesn't know anything about the gestation cycle of Leviathans. Well, to be completely fair, we have had um, mentioned that Pilot doesn't know as much as he's usually. That's true, off. actually. Yeah, he doesn't have access to all of Moya's database, no, so that's. I think this is one of the expressions of that. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. So they're going to find out together, <laughs> and so are we. 
<laughs> Always fun having a Leviathan, baby. You yeah. never know what to expect. Nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> it will. So let's be honest. I, I don't yeah. know if it will, but it will. Mm. So that's not quite where the episode ends. We have a little bit further to go. We have... So in all of this, we've seen that uh, those emotional scenes with Dargo. We had Zan, we had Crichton, and we had Rigel, but Eren wasn't really part of that. No, she was busy in pilot seat. Yeah, but at the end, she goes to see Dargo, uh, who's in his quarters, and his, he's really upset. He's still dealing with what just happened and what mm -hmm. he was remembering. And he actually thanks her for saving his life when he was out in space because she went and got him in her prowler. Um, and she, they, in, in all the confusion, they'd, she'd almost forgotten that she'd even done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she asks what was the name of the of uh, Lolan's brother and he tells her Macton Tar and she she does not know who that is no, so it doesn't ring a bell and she asks then if she could can see the woman yeah Lolan so he gets out the uh, hologram again and shows her it's the same one we saw before of them uh, of Lolan and Jothi uh, rotating around and she says yeah she's very beautiful and and Dargo says, are you surprised that someone like that could love someone like him? And then we get some more Peacekeeper backstory. Because mm -hmm. it's it's apparently ingrained in Peacekeepers from birth to keep bloodlines pure. And such yeah. unions are evil. So, yes. And, and then Dargo says, so my son is evil? And and that, I like what she says then. Because she says, when I look into his eyes, I see you. So, no. It's oh, not evil. Oh, the scene, though. And she adds, I promise you, no matter what happens, I will never tell anybody about your son. Oh, this is so good. It's so good. It's such a beautiful bonding scene for those two. It is, and probably one of the most important bonding scenes that I've... That certainly, to my mind, because in the earlier episodes... The two people who were very much at each other's throats were Aaron and Dargo. Yeah, but they also had that... I mean, they have that um, mutual understanding of both being warriors. Exactly. I like that bit. The fact that there's some sort of playful rivalry between them. Yeah, but early on he was still very distrustful of her because she was a peacekeeper and she uh -huh. didn't. So he was just a Luxon brute. And, but now it seems like they really are true friends. Yeah. And that's just such a beautiful thing to see at the end of the episode. And it really hits heavily it's just like oh oh it's so no i my emotions no stop <laughs> and that's where we end um yes. i'll say that the uh so the credits music for farscape which we use at the beginning of the episode and at the end of each of these it's it's very sort of heavy and like da 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 it's very yeah. It, which is a little bit weird coming off such an emotional scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish they'd gone with the, the approach TV shows sometimes use in varying your you know what credits song a little bit. They should have used the Dargo's they cue. They That's used what I was that, thinking yeah, as well. They should, they should have used that as the exit music. That just would have been really play cool. Play it. You don't, yeah. need, you don't need the regular music for that one. But no, they just go with the normal thing. So there we go. Yeah. That was um, that was They've Got a Secret. Whew. 
What do, what do we think? It's a, it's a heavy episode. That is pretty heavy, and a lot has been revealed. We've got Dargo's past, we know that Moira's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. I mean, I really like the scenes with Dargo. Yes, they are absolutely the best Those part. are the highlights? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what I think about the rest. Um, I, I, might be, re- I, mean, I might still be a bit sour over last week. Yeah, that's this fair. might be a thing. <laughs> um, I think the rest was fine. It wasn't. It was. It was no. The re- the rest was fine, but it was not up to the same caliber yeah. as all that stuff with Dargo. No. Um, and we've got that thing of uh, Moya's pregnant, which is something that will, I guess, we'll have to. Will we'll be relevant up, later. Yeah, because I mean, pregnant by something that is completely uniform and symmetrical. It's weird. That one. That one probably won't, won't be relevant either. So yeah, but I thought this was really I thought this was a really good episode and I I love it again that we're moving from or well, at least partially we're getting when this isn't just a straight up uh, adventure episode or stuff mm. happening this is a hell of a lot of character development. Yes. Like a big chunk of it. Yeah. Um, for Dargo and to a lesser extent I think for uh Pilot and uh Aaron a little bit because the relationship between her and Dargo yeah, but I think it's mostly it's, it's, oh, it's uh, Dargo. This is Dargo. very much a Dargo episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... Oof. I think I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. But... Yeah. I am wondering if I want to change last week's grade. What was last, What did you give last week? I think I gave it a 4. Yeah. I think I might want to go back to a 3. Okay. But it's, I mean, the problem is that one of the most important parts of the last episode doesn't get brought up again and not, i'm afraid we're just going to no I, i'm afraid we're just going to forget that bit again and yeah. it's never going to come up so i think i'm going to wait a few more weeks yeah. but if if the if the whole arm scene doesn't actually change the dynamic of the show import, if that episode doesn't change the dynamic of the show significantly and that they're more distrustful of each other then I think I'm going to have to go back and give last week's episode a lower grade because right. it sets up an impact that it doesn't deliver on. Okay, well, in that case. I guess we'll, 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 we'll wait and see. Yeah, maybe yeah. it will come up again. But yeah, who knows? We'll have to see in the future. But I would agree that this was, I would say, four out of five seems about right. Yeah. And just phenomenal acting from uh, Anthony Simcoe as well. Yeah, no, seriously, he jumped up as... Uh, I appreciate him a lot more in that role. Yes, definitely, and... I'm excited to see more of that side of Dargo. I want to see yes, more of that. Yes, please. Give yeah, me more yeah, yeah. of that. <clears throat> that's my jam. So much jam. But uh, mm-hmm. that's... Everywhere. <laughs> but that'll be it from us uh, this week. And, yeah, thanks for uh, listening. And uh, next week we'll be back, obviously, with the next episode, which is Till the Blood Runs Clear. Uh, that sounds like another Dargo episode, because that's what you need to do for Luxon's wounds to heal. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. It's uh, Some things happen, and some people are coming to collect the Peacekeeper bounty on everybody's head. Ooh. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's it from us this week. Uh, I've been Cowboy Hats, and we've had... I have been Red Nightmare, and as always. This episode and all other episodes of the Fast Get Rewatch podcast are brought to you by the Can't Wear Hats Patreon. That is patreon.com slash can't wear hats, which supports this podcast and other projects such as Twitch streams, 
and other videos and you can find all the information about what I do on there. That's patreon.com slash can't wear hats. If you mm-hmm. want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at can't wear hats and at Vodolkin in Tree. Yes. Or leave a comment on our YouTube on the Can't Buy Hats YouTube page, which has previous episodes and stream archives. Yep. Again, youtube.com slash can't wear hats and I check those comments every week. Yeah. I watch the episode I watch I listen to this out of my own voice, okay? Just because I want to hear if I can improve. Listen, I have to edit these things. I have to listen to both our voices all the time. <laughs> you get used to it, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've, I've stopped cringing whenever I hear myself. Yeah, I did a lot of video editing. I've, I've, <laughs> I've gone over that part. Yeah, but yeah, we'll be back next week with Till the Blood Runs Clear. Uh, but until then, that's it from us this week. So goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. So, Hats, we're going to Moya's baby shower. What the hell are we bringing? Uh, we could get, like, a pacifier with an asteroid. Oh, yeah, that might be an idea. I, I was thinking of uh, my first shuttle. Hmm, that could be good. Oh, oh, okay. Do we know a tailor who can make a onesie several hundred meters long? No. Shit. <laughs>